Uh, good morning, good morning, good morning, Connect. How we doing? So good to see you guys this morning. Thank you for coming on out, being a part of what God is doing this morning. I, I love it. It's a brand new year. Brand new year. I, I always love uh, that God is the God of new beginnings. You know, in order for something to begin anew, something has to end. And I really want to encourage you this year and really encourage you this morning to allow something that has kept distance between you and God. Maybe some disillusionment in your heart, maybe something that's been frustrating, maybe the entirety of 2020, 2021 to end. We don't have the ability to end what's going on in the world, but we do have the ability to choose to end what that means to us. And my God's not just the ender of something, he is the birther of something. I love the, the promise of God that says, behold, all things are new. Behold, I want to say that to someone today. God has something new for you. New for you, not just better, not, not just something different, something new for you, a, a new revelation, a, a new aspect of his love to experience, a, a new gift that he wants to actually release out of you and through you into the world around you. You are his beloved child. There's not one of us in this room, no matter how far, no matter what we've done, no matter where we've gone, no matter what we've been through, that is too far away from God for him to stop considering you his beloved child. And so today, just as we enter into worship, today as we enter into the service, can we just choose today to allow some of those things to end and connect with the one, the one of new beginnings. The one of new beginnings. We didn't just turn the page. Can I say this to someone in this room today? We did not just turn the page on a calendar year. For some of us, we're turning the page, come on, on the year of life, on the year of disappointment. We're turning the page. We're closing the chapter on hopelessness. We're turning the chapter on sickness. We're turning the chapter on disappointment. And we're stepping into something with a new God in a new way. We do not serve a God who is dead. We don't serve a philosophy or an ideology, a concept or a religion. We serve a mighty Savior. Jesus came. He died. He rose again. He's seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty and everything in heaven and earth. Visible and invisible is under his control. So today there's nothing impossible for our God. Nothing. I just want to speak that into someone. There's nothing impossible. I'm not talking about a New Year's resolution. I'm talking about a new way of living life with Jesus. Today's that day. So will you just pray with me as we begin to lift up our hearts and our hands to him today. As we begin to worship him. As we turn our attention away from self and on to him. Daddy, we love you. Daddy, we praise you today. Today is your day. Today is your day. Today is your day. Today is a day of new beginnings. Today is a day of new life. Today is a day of freedom, for you've come to set us free. Daddy, today we've come to worship you. Jesus, your name is to be lifted up above all things. Past, present, 
worries of our future. Your name is to be lifted up above it all. And so today we choose you. Today we choose to lift our eyes, to lift up our eyes unto the hills from where our help comes from. The hill of God, the mountain of holiness, the Lord God Almighty. Father, we exalt you. You are the promise maker, but more than that, you're the promise keeper. You're the breaker of chains, Lord God. You're the healer, the the Lord God Almighty, the banner over us that says love and freedom and grace and wholeness and peace. You and you alone have it all. There is no one like you. None in heaven or on earth. So we won't let anything get in the way. Not one thing today. We love you and we praise you. Holy Spirit, come and do what only you can do. Do what only you can do. You have freedom in this room, freedom in our lives. Jesus, we ask this. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done in this place, in our lives, as it is in heaven. So be it. And together we say in Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. Come on, can we just give God, just, just, just give God a moment of praise. Lord God, we love you this morning. We just want to worship you today, Lord God. Come on, let's worship him together today. Holy, 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 Lord God. Blessed are you. God, we choose to remember how faithful you've been in every year and in every season of our lives. To trust you with every year and season moving forward, God. We put ourselves in your hands and in your care. God of Abraham, you're the God of covenant faithful promises time and time again you have proven you'll do just what you say though the storms may come and the winds may blow i'll remain steadfast and let my heart learn when you speak a word it will come to pass your faithfulness to me. Great is your faithfulness to me. From the rising sun to the setting same, I will praise your name. Great is your faithfulness to pass away, your word remains the same. Your history can prove there's nothing you can do. You're faithful and true. Though the storms may come and the winds may blow, I'll remain steadfast. And let my heart learn when you speak a word, it will come to the right. 
sun to the setting, same I will praise your name. Great is your faithfulness to me. Yes. You have proven yourself again and again in every age, in every day, in every season and circumstance, Lord. So we put our trust, we put our faith, we put our hope in Jesus' name, and in Jesus' name alone, Jesus Christ, our cornerstone. I put my faith in Jesus, my anchor to the ground, my hope and firm foundation, he'll never let me down. I put my faith in Jesus, my anchor to the ground, my hope and firm foundation, he'll never Never 
Faithless, you're faithful, Lord God. 
Daddy, you're faithful to your word that is from everlasting to everlasting. You're faithful that there's no weapon that's formed against us that shall prosper. You're faithful, Lord God, that when we run into your name, it is a strong tower, a mighty fortress is our God. Father, we thank you that there is nothing visible or invisible that is more powerful than you. That no matter how far we've wandered, no matter how far or how close, you will always come running after us. Wow. Daddy, how that could change our life, Jesus, if we would, when we grab that, there's no distance in your love. There's no distance in your love. There's no distance in your love. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Father, the whole earth is filled with your glory. Come, receive glory this morning. Thank you that you are a rock and our refuge, our strong tower. That you are the anchor in the midst of our storm. You can speak to the wind and the wave, but while those wind and waves are still raging, you are the anchor that holds us safe. We give you the glory, we give you the honor, and we give you the praise. Because there is no one like you. In Jesus' name. Amen, and amen, and amen, and amen. Hallelujah. Yes, Lord God, we love you this morning. Woo! What a great God we serve, church. Woo! I love that, I love that, I love that truth. There's no mountain too high, no darkness too deep, right? No lie that we believe so strong that his love can't shatter it. And what a great God we have that's running after us. How often have we run from him? And yet even when we run, he runs faster towards us. What a great God. Well, I'm so glad you're here this morning. I just want to take just a few moments, if you will, welcome with me uh, our online guests as well. Thank you, guys. Thank you, church, for being with us. We love you. Look, we know some of you are home. For a variety of reasons, some of you are still in quarantine, some of you are, 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 are navigating through this pandemic, some of you are on vacation today, but we love you, we, we believe, and, and I know you hear us say this at this church all the time, but we believe it because it's true that the same God that's in this room today is the same God that's in your room with you today. The same God, he's the same God. He's the same God with the same power. It doesn't matter whether you're in the living room, whether you're in a hospital room, whether you're in a, 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 a motel room. It doesn't matter where you are. My God is the same God. He can manifest power. So when we're worshiping, get up off the couch. Lift up your hands and your hearts. When we're praying, add your faith to it. Just begin to engage with the God that's there. Just like we get to engage with the God that's here. What a great God we serve. And we realize we do have many people who are struggling through this sickness and time that we're in and we just want to let you know we're, we're with you we we are with you we are with you we are with you we are with you we love you love you so much well church look here at connect we believe that church isn't just a sunday moment church isn't about a sunday morning event it's about learning to live life well together as a family and even though you may not know everybody sitting around you, why don't you, before you're being seated, just take a moment, give somebody next to you an air high five or a fist bump, say hi to them. Just get to know somebody for a second. Just take a moment.
going to fix my headset before it keeps falling off on me. Take a moment, if I can, and I'll probably break something. The problem with having a big head, big ears. Hey, before we hop into the word today, uh, there's just a couple things I, I wanted to um, kind of just uh, take a, a moment out for. The first and foremost is one of the most important things this morning for us is that it is actually Pastor Jonathan Campana's birthday. So happy birthday, Pastor John. We love you. He's back there uh, behind soundboard. Uh, He's 73 today, 73. He's looking good for his age. Actually, John, if, if you don't know, I think John has actually been um, a part of our team uh, for something like 17 or 18 years. He, he actually started on our team as a, as a, a teenager um, and has been just giving his life to church for so long. And it is such an honor to be around uh, him. If you, if you don't really get, get to know Pastor John yet, take some time to get to know him. He oversees our worship uh, and creative team here. And buddy, we love you. What a great job you're doing. And man, we love you and Liz. We're so thankful for the sacrifices you pour into this house. And Danielle and I are thankful for all that you've poured into our lives uh, over, over those years. Um, and I, I've known John since he was... Um, <laughs> Well earlier than 73. Um, a long time. Happy birthday, buddy. Uh, look, uh, one last thing that I wanted to, you, you may notice, uh, last week Pastor D was here and I wasn't here. And this week I'm here and Pastor D's not here. Um, and it's, it, there's a couple reasons for it. I just want uh, to talk about it so that, that it's, it's out there in the open. It's really easy. Um, one, we do have a really sick dog at the moment. His name is Louie. So if you could pray for him, he's like, he's my best buddy. I love him so much. Um, but he's, he's not doing well. But more than that, over the next few weeks, we're, we're trying to navigate this time of the pandemic. And we're just trying to use wisdom. And what, what is the most important for us is to make sure that one of us is here on a Sunday morning. So if that means some, one has to be here and the other so that we can, come on, right? So we can, it's just all, all of us have to navigate this in different ways. Um, but for us, it's not just navigating family, it's navigating how we do church as well. Um, and so we're, we're just, over the next couple of weeks, you'll, you'll see uh, me or you'll see Dee uh, up here, um, but probably not at the same time. Um, that being said as well, you may have noticed we're, we're doing one song now of worship. It's not that we don't believe in worship. We believe powerfully in worship. We believe that worship is essential for life. But we also know that the more that we sing in this time period right now, even though we're wearing masks and we believe in this state-of-the-art um, air conditioning, ventilation systems that we have in here. By the way, we have live plants in here for that purpose as well. They're not just decoration. They help filtration. Mmm, yeah. nagi. Yeah, how about that? Here we go. <laughs> um, but just all of that is we, we want to steward it. And uh, thank you for allowing us to steward that with you. Because your lives are important to us. Your families are important to us. Your kids, your grandparents, they're important to us. Um, and this is our way. We can't steward everything in everyone's life, but we can try to steward church the best that we can. And here's all I'm going to say. It's a short period of time. In the big picture church, like, come on. In the big picture church, it's just a short period of time. There's going to be a time that we're going to like, do you remember when we wore masks at church? How good will that day be? When we get to say, do you remember when? 
But it's just true. Like, it's just, it's the way that it is. It's true. Um, so, hey, I'm, I'm really excited about the word uh, that uh, I'm, I want to share with you this morning. I firmly believe this is a word from God for us, uh, for myself, for us as a church. So if you would, since you have your Bible, open with me to the book of Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah is the 23rd book of, uh, the, New Test- uh, of the Old Testament. And uh, if you need a, a title for today's message, it's Holy Holy, holy. Last week, Pastor D preached a, an amazing message, and if you didn't get a chance to hear it, go, go listen to it when you get an opportunity. She talked about the cycle uh, of separation that happens between us and God because we put so much value into what we do. We're getting our value out of what we do. And, uh, and that was never God's intention in our life, to get our value from that place. And how uh, it's such a scheme of the enemy to keep us doing, doing, and doing Instead of actually being, being, being with him. uh, And getting our value from who he is. And she talked about this concept about how believers uh, in Christ tend to allow that cycle to go on and just ask Jesus to help heal all the hurt that comes from that. But disciples, on the other hand, are focused on breaking that cycle. Because it's not what God has for us. It's not what God has for the kingdom. It's not the Father's business. The Father's business isn't breaking chains. The Father's business isn't bringing freedom. The, God, the, the Father's bring, business isn't bringing wholeness from brokenness, light into darkness, hope into discouragement. That's the Father's business. And I love, I love it. I didn't get to share this last week because I wasn't here. But I love the, the thought um, of, of where that comes from. Do you remember Jesus uh, actually talks about that? In Luke chapter 2, verse 49, his parents had brought him to Jerusalem for a, for a feast. And uh, they leave him. They forget. They, mom thinks dad has him. Dad thinks mom has him. They leave. They get halfway home. They realize he's not in the party. They go, where is he? They go back. Everybody's looking everywhere for him. Aunts, uncles, cousins, everybody is all confused. They don't know where he is. They finally look in the temple. And the Bible says that Jesus is there in the temple amazingly teaching people. He's teaching the, the, the religious crowd with such wonder, and my, they're, they're overwhelmed by it. And I, in my mind, I see like, like auntie, auntie, aunt, you know, his aunt, grabbing him by the ear. Come on, right? You know when your aunt grabs Do you know what you did with your, your parents are so worried, they're worried to death. What, what, what were you thinking? And Jesus literally says this, I love it. He stops and says, why did you look anywhere else? Did you not know? I'd be about my father's business. Jesus' entire perspective on life, his entire perspective of life, from the time that he was the earliest tween to his final breath on the cross, his entire focal point was how do I bring about the Father's business no matter where I am. What I love about that text that's so encouraging to someone like me is that Luke actually tells us on purpose that he's 12. And the reason that he tells us that he's 12 is because in Judaism... The age of maturity for a man is 13. You're considered a man and mature by society at 13. He says you don't even have to be mature to be about your father's business. You don't even have to be somebody that the society, that the religious world sees as somebody as mature to be about your father's business. I love that because it means all of us can be about our father's business no matter where we are in our journey with God. That father's business can be summed up, I think, in three words. Holy, holy, 
holy. This is the phrase we're going to talk about today. This is the verse we're going to look at in Isaiah 6. This is what God has laid on my heart for weeks, for myself, for this church, to be holy in my life, to be holy with dealing with his wife, to be holy in how I deal with strife. Holy, holy, holy. It's the way that we get to connect with him. It's how we bring worship to him. It's how we make him feel loved. Is when we absolutely activate holiness in our lives. And it truly can change us individually and us as believers, as a church. If this becomes the standard, the battle cry, the focal point. Mom and dad. I know you believed, Joseph and Mary, I know you believed I'm the son of God. I know you believed in the promises, but your focal point is screwed up. You're not about the father's business. I need you to understand that you can be a believer in the promises. I need you to understand that you can be uh, someone who's connected and close to Jesus and still not be seeing the world through the father's business. And the business of God is holy, holy, holy. This verse is where Isaiah, the, the, the skies open up, the heavens open up, and he looks up and he sees the, the Lord God Almighty seated high, lifted high on the throne. And all around him there's angels and they're saying, holy, holy, holy. And in theology we call this the trihagion. Tri, three. Three is the number of perfection. Hagion means holy. The three complete holies. What Isaiah is saying is that when you look at God, God exists in a sphere that is completely, perfectly holy. That's absolutely the world that he lives in. And I think we need to pay attention to something because this verse and image is found not only in Isaiah 6 in the Old Testament, but it's also found exactly the same way in the New Testament when the Apostle John receives a revelation of heaven in Revelation. Verse, chapter 4, verse 8, it's the same thing. They say the same thing. Around the heavenly throne, angels stand up and go, holy, holy, holy. Why is that important? Because when things exist in the Old Testament and exist in the New Testament, it means they've come through the cross to you and I. It means these are things that you and I can bank on and base our life on because they're part of God's plan for his disciples. Worship has come in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Come on. Prayer is in the Old Testament, New Testament. Fasting, Old Testament, New Testament. Come on, forgiveness through the blood of the Lamb, even though we see the Lamb differently. Old Testament, New Testament. An anointed priesthood, even though we see the priesthood on a wider picture. Old Testament, New Testament. Tithing, Old Testament, New Testament. We can begin to see God's plan for you and I. Established. I don't know about you, but that fires me up. Because my God is a revealer of himself, not a concealer of himself. He wants you to know who he is in the way that we can discover him more. Isaiah chapter 1 says this, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, 
The doorposts and thresholds shook and the temple was filled with smoke. What he's saying there is in the midst of holiness, the Shekinah glory of God fills every crack and crevice of the temple of God. You and I are the temple of God. In an atmosphere of holiness, the glory of God fills what otherwise darkness would cover. I wonder, I wonder what we hear and what we think about when I mention the word holy. Because if you grew up in the Northeast or in any kind of church kind of background, when the preacher starts preaching about holiness, we start to wiggle in our chairs. Come on. It's a cringe word. Ooh. Ooh. He's going to talk about how I'm not good enough. And it's such a scheme of the devil. Because holiness is something that draws us towards intimacy with God. And if he can make us uncomfortable with holiness, he can keep us uncomfortable with God. It's such a plan. Now, I understand the reason why it's a cringe word for us because holiness, for very many of us growing up, was used as a weapon. Preachers have been great at weaponizing holiness. And it's because we have taught people how to live out of fear rather than faith. When I grew up, it was like everything. When you talk about holiness, it was wrapped around one thing, what you shouldn't do. Can't, don't, should, can I, anybody with me? Can't show, don't, I can't dance, you can't play cards, you can't get a tattoo. Come on, you can't, you can't, you can't. Now don't get me wrong. There certainly are things in the word of God that we should not do that help us set a boundary for a healthy, holy life. But holiness is not simply about the absence of something. Our sin, our weaknesses, our generational curses we left unbroken. It's not simply about the absence of something. It's about the presence of something. It's about the presence of God's character. It's about the presence of God's nature. It's about the presence of God himself, his plan, his purpose in our life. It's about the presence of him being manifest inside of us. That's what active faith does. Faith is not a belief. Faith is an action. Active faith, walking and acting. When we activate faith, we activate the groundwork for holiness. Because Holiness is an outworking of the promises and presence of God. Faith brings the power and brings the presence, brings the promises, and adds the power to them. So when we activate faith, what we're creating is an atmosphere where you and I actually can experience the holiness that God exists within and wants to have intimacy within. That's why Romans 1.17 says, The righteous shall live by faith. The righteous, the holy ones. Reverse engineer that. If the righteous live by faith, faith, come on, produces righteousness. Faith. That's why it's essential that we don't live off of our feelings. We don't live out of our logic. We don't base our life out of our political views. Those things can always influence our thinking, but they should never determine our actions. That's why I really want to encourage you to make a decision this year, in 2022, to be holy in your life. To be holy in your life. That means to activate faith in your life. It's not about what you shouldn't be. It's about who you were made to be. 
act of faith be holy. Let holiness become the standard of our life. The platform through which you and I make all of our decisions from needs to come back to this place of God's character, God's nature, God's presence, God's purpose, God's plan, the Father's business. Because holiness, I want to help someone today, because as I studied holiness over the last few years, I've realized what it's done in me. At first, the more that you see holiness, the more cringe and guilty and shame-filled the inside gets. But when you study the wholeness of it, you realize that holiness isn't about restriction. It's about freedom. It enables me to do something I couldn't do before. I can sin without any help from God. Come on, some of us are expert at it. We got our pro, come on, we got our pro certificate in sinning. But I can't be holy without God. Galatians 5.1 says, it is for freedom that Christ came to set me free. Not for religion, not for can't, don't, shouldn't, not. For freedom that Christ came to set me free. So that I don't connect any longer to those old ways of sinfulness. You and I, when we talk about holiness, we're talking about what we were created to be. It's who we really are. Not what our persona has created, not what our society tells us we are, not what religion has labeled us as, who God has created you and I to be, holy. It's who we really are in freedom. Holiness isn't restriction. It's freedom. I get it. I get it. I understand Romans 7. I understand that there's this force inside of me, Paul says, that draws me away from wanting to follow God. I got it. But we are putting more stock in the sinful nature inside of us than the Holy Spirit that Jesus breathed into us. Because although the sinful nature draws me away from God, the Spirit pushes me towards Him. It's not that you and I don't have a choice. We do. Which force are we going to allow to live in our life? The truth is, my friends, that holiness is the environment of the King. It's the environment of the king. I saw the king lifted high, and around him were angels saying, Holy, holy, holy. The environment of the Savior is a sinful world. For God so loved the sinful world, he sent the Savior, Jesus. Jesus came into this sinful world, walked among this sinful world, and became sin for us. You and I connect to the Savior based out of our sin. And there's nothing wrong with that. That is powerful. But the environment of the king is holy, holy, holy. It's the place of his dominion, the place of his power, the place of his favor. It's why so much of the church, so, many, so much of us as believers, we are connected to the grace of God, the forgiveness of God, the cleansing of God that, that comes from the blood of Jesus. And that's so powerful. But we're lacking the power, we're lacking the authority, we're lacking the wholeness that comes from the, the reign of Jesus. Why? Because the reign of Jesus exists in holy, holy, holy. As believers at times we focus on the sin the Savior has gotten us out of. But disciples long to discover the Jesus that died and rose again and ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty on which he will come to rule and reign and around which the angels in heaven say holy, 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 holy. And when we understand that the, the, the environment that the king exists in is holiness, we will long to discover holiness. 
Not because of what it will do if we don't, but who it will reveal to us if we do. In my whole life, I was taught, be holy because if you don't, God's going to be mad at you. I was never taught, seek holiness because the more you seek holiness, the more you'll be revealed of the one who is holy. The more of him, the more of his dominion, his favor, his reign, the more of him you'll know. I don't want to just know Jesus, my Savior. I want to know Jesus, my King. Not just in theology. I got the theology. I could write term paper after term paper. I could have a doctorate on the authority of Jesus Christ. But if I don't understand it exists in the environment of holy, 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 I will miss it. Isaiah's first response to when God showed him this was what? To react as a sinner. Verse 5, the very next verse says, Woe to me, I'm a sinner, and I live with a bunch of other sinners. And everyone said, Amen. And it's true. That's a great place to start. But God didn't just introduce him to someone who could cleanse him of his sin. He introduced him to a world-changing God. Because verse 8 says, Isaiah, I know you're a sinner, but I'm looking for someone who will go for me. I'm looking for not just a sinner, but a sender. I'm looking for someone who will will understand that if they go into the world, they can go because I want to change the world. I want to bring healing to the hurt. I want to bring justice to the oppressed. I want to bring light to those who are in darkness. I want to bring hope to those who are in despair. Isaiah, I don't need you just to connect to me as a sinner. I need you to connect to me as a sender. By the way, Old Testament, New Testament, what's the last thing Jesus said to us? Go! Same command, from the same place, carrying the same authority, with the same purpose in life. Connect how different could our world be if we said, yes, God, I got it. I'm going to connect to your holiness and go. I get it. Holiness can be scary. Like in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 16, where Peter says, be holy as God is holy. It sounds like a command. And because it sounds like a command, we bristle. I'm not going to be told what to do. We bristle. It's our natural response. And can I be honest with you? It is a command. But it's also an invitation. My grandfather lived in Florida when I was young. And he would come up in summer times and... He was a carpenter, so he'd do stuff around our house. But one of his things that he would always love to do, one of his favorite things, was to go to Dairy Queen and get a cone. Ha-ha, <laughs> come on. <laughs> it's good stuff right there. Everyone's like, what time's Dairy Queen closed? I'm going to find one. And uh, so, so sometimes in the middle of the day, he turned to me and he'd go, hey, you want to go to Dairy Queen? I'm like, am I stupid? Yes. And he said, cool. Go get your shoes on, get your shirt on, because come on, somebody, no shirt, no shoes, no service. All my old heads know what I'm talking about. Right? See, you all thought, like, what do you mean I have to wear a mask or I can't get something? We had to wear shoes and shirts. So, but here's the truth. I didn't look when he said, go get that on and get in the car, even though it was a command. I didn't look at it as a command. I looked at it as an invitation. I realized if I wanted to get something that I really wanted, that I couldn't get on my own because I can't drive. I got no money. I can't get to Dairy Queen on my own. I had to put some stuff on and get in the car. And if I would put some things on and get in the car, not only would I get something I couldn't get on my own, but it would make my grandfather happy. 
Because he wanted to be able to bless me. And he couldn't bless me in lots of other ways, but he could bless me by taking me to Dairy Queen. Come on, somebody. So when God says, be holy as I am holy, he, it's not a commandment. He's saying, get in the car. By the way, you got to put on the armor of God. You, there's some stuff you got to put on in order to be holy. Ephesians 6.11 says, there are some schemes the enemy has that are trying to keep you from me. So you got to put the whole armor on because if you got no shirt, come on, no shoes, no service. That's why it's important for you and I to be introspective and take some time, not just to kind of get healthy and get some pounds off, make sure we dye our hair to get the gray out. What I'm talking about is being introspective because if we'll look inside of ourselves for a little bit, we're going to see some areas that the shield of faith have left exposed. Not because the shield of faith is broken, but because we haven't covered it with faith. There's going to be some thinking, some attitudes, some mindsets, that the helmet of truth hasn't changed because we are relying on our feelings and logic rather than the truth of God. It's okay. This is part of the Father's business. I love the image of this in, back in Genesis with Joseph. If you remember, Joseph's brothers were jealous of him. They threw him in a pit, left him for dead, and then sold him into, uh, into Egypt for slavery. The next time, so he goes through death. The next time they see him and they encounter him, he is sitting on the throne. But here's the deal. They don't treat him when they see him now like the little brother he was to them. They treat him with the authority and power that his position demands. Some of us are still treating Jesus like our homeboy. Like my little brother. Hey, I know Jesus be like me. Jesus, it's just me and Jesus, my co-pilot. No, no, no. If I want to get what Jesus has, I need to actually uh, I need to connect with him with where he is. And the moment they connected with where he is, it released them from the, from the famine that they were in. It released them from the hunger that they were in. Some of us are walking around with spiritual hunger that we're trying to feed in all sorts of different ways. But when we, if we would just release, if we would just connect to Jesus in where he is, he'll release what's inside. Those who are hungry and thirsty will be satisfied. See, the Father's business for you and I inside of us is to close the gaps. To not give the enemy one foothold. To not be embarrassed that those footholds exist. But to trust in the Father to cover those things. When we surrender those things to him. How different could life around us be if we choose to be holy in our life and connect to him, not just as Savior, but as Lord. It's not just really being holy in my life. It's, it's also in this moment really being holy, dealing with his wife and probably our wives as well. But there's a holiness to dealing with his wife. I think one of the greatest ways we can express our love to Jesus and honor him is how we treat his bride. I'm not just talking about coming to church. I'm talking about actively loving and dealing in a holy manner with the bride. With the bride. Not theoretically, not universally, practically. 
with the people next to us, with how we deal with one another. Because you and I are the bride of Jesus Christ. We are the one he died for to marry. He gave everything so that you and I could be with him forever. And I think the truth is that part of the way the world experiences God, experiences his love, is through the expression of his bride, the church. In the church, you and I are meant to be, and we can be a vehicle of such love and hope and freedom and truth to the world around us. But I think if we're honest so many times, church is a vehicle with two flat tires, a missing bumper. How many of us have friends? I know some of you have friends because we have people like this. Friends or neighbors that have that jacked up car. You know what I'm talking about? The jacked up car has like three colors of paint on it. The, 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 the bumper is held on by like, like duct tape, right? There's cardboard in one of the windows. Now you're like, all right, you know, I guess it gets them around. What's the big deal? You're fine with it, but you're hoping it's not parked out front of your house when you're having people over. I think the challenge is for us, many times how we leave the bride with our interactions with the people of the bride causes it to be that jacked up car. Not just looking that way to the world, but looking that way to the person. Leaving the person feel like they're duct taped together. Like, I guess this is the best life can be with just a boarded up cardboard window. I guess this is the way that God, this is the best promise God has for me, is just to live with these three colored paints on me all jacked up. Because so many times our interactions with one another aren't based in holiness. They're based in feelings, in hurt feelings, philosophies, political views, past church experiences, religion. The truth is, even people of faith can mess this up when we don't deal from a standard of holiness. It's not about whether you have faith or not. It's whether or not we're walking and dealing with holiness. The greatest example of this is in Genesis 16 with Abraham. Abraham's the father of faith. Can we agree that God gave him an amazing wife, gave him a promise to have kids? But his wife at that moment couldn't conceive. She was struggling. She was in need. She couldn't produce what she was broke, could produce. She, in all intents and purposes, was broken down. And I know if you know the story, it could be easy for you and I to say, well, it's not really Abraham's fault what happened next. I mean, she did it. She brought Hagar to him to sleep with her servant. It's her fault. She's to blame. But my friends, I'll simply say this. Holiness says even if opportunities come where I can feel justified in doing what I'm going to do, holiness is non-negotiable. 
Holiness is non-negotiable. It doesn't matter whether Sarah brought Hagar to him or not. Abraham should have said, I'm not going to deal with my wife like that. I'm going to deal with the gift God gave me with holiness. Holiness, Sarah, is non-negotiable. Holiness, Hagar, is non-negotiable. Holiness, servants, non-negotiable. Because I love my bride. I love the bride God gave me. I love the beauty that God has bestowed upon her. She may be broken now, but my no, my God is not is a is a redeemer of the broken. He is a repairer of the broken of the breaches of the wall. I know who my God is. And I know my God's authority works in holiness. This is how, my friends, we become restorers of the breach. Repairs of the wall that we've been talking about so often. When we join with him in holiness, allowing him to be who he is, the healer. It's part of who he is, his authority, his dominion. Part of the reign of the kingdom is healing. Inside, outside. Have any of you ever seen the TV show Botched? I know no one's going to admit to this. Some of you may know the, the TV show Botched because it's a husband of one of the real housewives. Not that you watch that show either. Heather DeVroe, John. I'm not saying anything, calling anybody out. Just kidding. But Bosch is about this. It's uh, a doctors, doctors who have people who other doctors have messed up their plastic surgeries. They, they went in and they, they messed up their nose job or their tummy tuck or, you know, their tushy lift or whatever other lift they got. And, and it's affecting their life. It's, it's really hurting their life. It's affecting their life. It's affecting their image. It's, it's, it's really hurting them. And what I love about the show is that they don't sit there and bash the doctors who broke them. Talk bad about them, blog about them, complain about them, as if that would change the situation for the person. They use their God-given skills to actually change, heal, restore, repair what was botched in that person. Why? To bring dignity back to the person. To bring hope back to the person. To allow themselves to not to see themselves as the broken down, beat up junked out car that just has to get by but understand that my God is a redeemer a repairer of the breach a restorer of the broken they use what God has given them this is part of the father's business for you and I to help restore the image I'm not talking about the image of church I'm talking about the image the broken image that you and I wear in the church of who we are and who we can't be and who we must surrender to, and how life must be this way. And I love it because Jesus sets the example for you and I. He doesn't leave us guessing. He says, do you know how to treat my wife? Treat her the way I treated her. Ephesians 5, verse 25 says this. Husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. That's it. He didn't say if... Clean yourself up first, and then I'll fix you up. He said, hey, I know the way you are. I know you've got some, come on, your, your bumper is all jacked up. I know you've got some tri tricolored paint on. I know you're missing a headlight or two. I know your body's all dented up. But, man, I'm going to give myself for you. Do you know why? Verse 27 tells us why. So that he can present the church without spot or wrinkle or blemish. 
The heartbeat of our king is to say, I'm going to deal with my bride, not the way that she is, but the way that she could be. Not the way of brokenness, but the way of, of healing. Not in the path of, of, of destruction, but with the path of restoration. See, when we treat her holy, he's blessed and she blossoms. I think the tricky thing in our modern world, in our church modern world today, is that we're asking the wrong question. Modern Christianity has taught you to ask this question. How does the bride make me feel about my life? Rather than, how do I make Jesus feel by how I deal with his wife? I think we love, when we love his bride and we bring worship to him because when we love his bride, it's an act of worship to him. We make him feel loved. When we activate his reign in our lives towards his bride with honor and holiness, he feels loved. He's blessed and she blossoms. What does that mean? To actively look to overlook offenses. To tangibly love one another. Not conceptually, not philosophically, but looking for ways to love one another, to stand shoulder to shoulder with one another, a sword in one hand and say, man, I will fight for my brother and sister, and a shovel in another to make sure that we repair the wall whenever there's a breach, to consider others better than ourselves. When we activate those things, that's honor. That's dealing with her holy. And it speaks to him of how we love him and how we honor his bride. Oh, how different church would be. If maybe in, this 20, in 2022, the modern church would stop asking, how does the bride make me feel about my life? And actually ask, how does my life, how does my actions, how do my dealings with his wife make Jesus feel about his life. And if we're going to do that, and we're going to cl close in a moment, but if we're really going to do that, we have to learn truly to be this last thing, which is to be holy in dealing with strife. Strife. Can we agree that one word that the last two years probably can be used to highlight the most, to define these last two years, is strife? Strife. Strife. Let me give you the de definition of strife just in case you want to know what it means. Angry or bitter disagreement over fundamental issues that cause conflict. Anyone? Strife. We are living in a world of strife. And this happens in every area of our life. Externally, in our political life, our relational life. Come on. In our marketplace. Going to pick up groceries. There's strife. It happens internally inside of us when we're wrestling with how to deal with the Word of God, how much we want to surrender to the Lordship of Jesus, how our mind and our will wants to fight the other way, and it manifests through stress and worry and disappointment and disillusionment and pride. Solomon says in Proverbs 17, 19, that sin and strife go hand in hand. 
He goes on in, in, in Proverbs 13, 10, it says that, uh, that strife will lead to pride. Strife will lead to pride. Come on, can we be honest? This pandemic has highlighted our strife so much that strife has become normal for our life. It's given us permission to release the wolf inside of us that just goes and devours everything. Our connection points right now in our generation are around strife. Things that we bitterly disagree on. Just turn on any social media page. Go to any news agency. Sit in a Starbucks and listen to any conversation. The things that we are trying to connect on is strife. And my friends, the problem with that is it will feed our pride one way or the other. Because either someone's going to agree with us or disagree with us. Pride. I was literally, I was at the vet the other day. This is a true story. I was at the vet the other day waiting in line to get my dog some, uh, some medicine. Guys standing behind me. Never met this man before in my life. We're in the midst of the, vet, the vets. There's a whole bunch of people. He's standing behind me. He looks at me and he starts complaining and saying, hey, man, we got to get this. We got to get this political person out and that political thing and these political people. They're ruining the whole world. And I can't believe this person and that person. And I literally stopped him and said, I'm sorry, sir. I'm not going to engage with that. He was shocked. But he didn't stop. So he said, yeah, but I mean, look at what's going on in our nation because of this political person, that political person. And we just got to get these people out. And I said, sir, I'm not going to engage with that. But I want to let you know that my Bible says, although I may not agree with everything that someone in power does, that I should be praying for them. So then he changed tactics. He said, yeah, but you got to agree the Eagles suck. I said, oh, boy, you picked the wrong person. Pick the wrong person. The pandemic has taught us to connect around strife rather than life. Jesus came to give me life and life more abundantly. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Why are we spending time trying to connect with one another around things that bring strife rather than things that bring life? I wonder what Christians will absolutely post about when the pandemic's over. Life! Life! I've come to bring you life and life more abundantly. Life, life, yes. The world wants to connect over strife because it makes them feel better and more proud. And it feeds the flesh. But the Bible says in Proverbs 20, verse 3, it is to one's honor to avoid strife. An honorable life avoids strife. An honorable life avoids strife. I'm not talking about ignoring issues. But I'm talking about dealing with them from a place of holiness. Of his character and his nature. Where if someone, a brother or sister has fallen, we restore them gently. And not blast them. We deal with our world that's broken with compassion. And not criticism. We bring justice to the oppressed. And not justify why we've oppressed them. We love our neighbor more than ourselves. We should ask ourselves, how is my life promoting the gospel? Not my political view, not the American dream, not religion, 
how am I promoting the gospel? Before I push send, how is this promoting the gospel? How, when someone reads this, will they read life and not death? Hope and not despair. Encouragement and not condemnation. We've got a whole world out there that loves condemnation, criticism, and strife. We should be different. Why? Because we are holy, 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 holy. Who will go for me? Who will go for me? Who will go for me, Jesus said? Who will go for us? Not for my political view, not for an American dream. Who will go for the kingdom? Who will go for the king? Who will bring hope? Who will bring light? Who will bring truth? Man, if I was the devil, I'd get Christians just to talk about other churches and other Christians. Why? Because it does two things. It builds pride in us because we're not like them. And pride always comes before a fall, so he gets you one way or the other. And he's happy with you and I talking about everything other than the gospel of life. Life, that's the Father's business. Unity is the Father's business. I don't need to ignore an issue. I just need to bring life to it. I'm going to choose in 2022 to avoid strife. I'm not just talking about externally. I'm talking about internally because there's things in my life that make me worry and get me stressed out and make me want to carry the burden myself because strife will break you and burden you. Strife will break you and burden you. Strife will break you and burden you. It will break you down. It'll break you down. It'll break you down till you don't believe there's hope anymore. Till you just hope you're hoping to survive. You're just hoping Jesus comes back not to see him so you just get out of the mess. Man, when I get that kind of pride in me, I don't know about you, but I take the burden on myself and I forget to pray and I forget to ask and I forget to seek and I forget to fast. And strife will either lead me away from him or to him. But it depends on how I see it in my life. Can we agree that there's probably been no person on the planet who's experienced strife more than the man Job? And yet Job... In the midst of his strife, got a revelation of Jesus. He said, I'm not going to connect to strife. I'm going to connect with life. And he said this, I know even though my kids have died. I know even though my business has failed. I know even though I lost my house. I know even though my wife is gone. I know even though I am sick. I know even though I've got boils. I know even though my friends turned against me. I know that my Redeemer lives. And he will set his feet on this earth again. I don't know anything else, but I'm not going to connect on the thing that causes conflict. I'm going to, call, I'm going to connect with the thing that brings life. That's the Father's business. That's holy. 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 Holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come the whole earth is filled with your glory. How sad would it be if the whole earth is filled with his glory and our life isn't? What a promise from our God that even in our darkest, dirtiest places, 
even to the places we're ashamed to admit. There are things I've never told anybody about my life, and I never will. Because I'm still ashamed. I can't believe I did it. But even in that place that I won't admit that he deserves to be, he said, I want to fill that place with my glory. There's not one lie that you bought that I won't break down. There's not one wall I won't sm smash through. And it's not about what you shouldn't be. It's about what I made you to be. This message should never bring a cringe inside of you. It should bring a craving to discover who he is. Not just a savior that would forgive someone like me, but the king who can deliver me, set me free, release me from the hunger that my brokenness cries to be filled. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Daddy, may my life, may this church, may my inside and outside world be filled with your glory. I'm not talking about a New Year's resolution. I'm talking about a decision to discover a Savior and a King. And right now, I'm just going to ask you to pray with me. Because if you at all can relate at all to any of those areas, if you can say, man, to be honest, I haven't really been holy in my life. There's some things that I haven't allowed God to cover. There, there, there's some things that are still unshielded from faith. God, I'm so sorry for the way I've dealt with your wife. Daddy, I've allowed strife to ruin my life, to rob me of you, hope, and life. Forgive me. We're just going to take a minute. Chris is going to play. Whether you want to do it in your seat or you want to kneel on the floor, whether you want to stand with your hands raised to heaven, can I encourage you, if any, if any of us today can relate in any way, just repent. Just turn around, just like Isaiah did and said, God, I'm so sorry. I'm a person of unclean lips. I've got an unclean heart. God, I've allowed things to keep me far from you. I don't want to be like Mary and Joseph who just have you near me. I want to be about the Father's business. I don't want those areas of shame and darkness that I'm afraid to admit to to keep me from you. So forgive me. Cleanse me holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Was and is and is to come. Holy, holy, holy. Holy are you, Lord God. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. King of kings. Holy, holy. 
restorer of the breach, the repairer of the wall. Let the Son of Righteousness rise with healing in his wings. He is Yahweh Rapha, the God who is healing itself. He's Jehovah Shalom, the only one that can manifest peace. His kingdom reign exists in an environment of holy, holy, holy. It's not about us being holy enough to get in. It's about allowing His holiness to work out in us. We're going to do two things really quickly. I want to pray as a church. And I'm going to ask you if you feel comfortable to pray this with me. But I'm asking you to pray with me if this is something that you are declaring before God. That today is a line in the sand day for you. The day where one life ends and another life begins. And this is a moment, a line in the sand, where we're going to pray and we're going to declare that, God, this year we're going to be holy in our lives, holy with our life, holy with your wife, and holy dealing with strife. And if that's a commitment you want to make, you're not making it to me, you're making it before God, I'll help steward it with you. Danielle and I will help shepherd you. We'll help disciple you. We'll help break those old mindsets. We're going to help bring the word that will bring life. We're going to point you to Jesus. We're going to pray for you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. But this isn't an agreement between me and you. This is an agreement between you and God. So if that's what you want, can you stand with me? Oh, everybody, just stand with me really quickly. And if that's you, just pray this with me. Just say, Dear Lord Jesus, today I declare that you are Lord of my life. I thank you today for the forgiveness you've brought. And I choose today to live with you as Savior and Lord. Today I declare that this year I will be holy with my life. I will be holy with your wife. And I will be holy dealing with strife. I will point others to you. I will declare your truth. I will be a light in the darkness. I will bring hope to the disappointed. I will bring life to those who are dead. We love you, Jesus. We trust you. We know that your life exists in holy, holy, holy. Thank you for inviting us in. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen and amen and amen. Father, today I pray. That for every person that prayed that in their heart, with their mouth towards you, 
Whether that be for the first time or whether as people we are just making this declaration today that you forgive every sin, every sin that separates every dark place that deceives, every lie that keeps us in bondage and in burden, Lord God. Father, every foothold that we gave to the enemy may it be shattered today in the name of Jesus. I pray for the Holy Spirit to fill every person in this room from top of their head to the bottom of their feet. Daddy, you said that there will be a living river flowing from your throne into your children that will everywhere it touches, the dead things will be made alive. I'm believing for gifts, power, breakthrough, healing, inside and outside. Salvations of people we never thought could be saved, Lord God. Restorations of relationships we thought were gone and in the dust, Lord God. I'm believing today for healing from bodily sickness in the name of Jesus, from generational curses that have been passed down and passed down and passed down. Today, we declare they stop in the name of Jesus. We nail those things to the cross and say no more because we refuse to connect with strife. We connect only with the words of life. It says, by your stripes, come on church, we are healed. We are are healed. I'm speaking to people online right now that are going through sickness. We are healed. I'm speaking a covering over people in this room that says no sickness, no virus, no disease will touch the household in the name of Jesus. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Fill every area of our life with your glory. In Jesus' name. And can you agree with me and say amen and amen, amen. Come on, let's give God some glory. Lord, we love you. What a great God you are. Woo! Hey, can I just be, can we just take an honest moment? Anybody believe for a breakthrough today? I'm believing, I'm believing for you. I am, I'm believing for you. And I'm not trying to hype you up. I'm trying to give you hope. Man, we used to have church with hype. Lights and smoke and sound. And I loved all that stuff. I still do, by the way. I'm not saying you might not see some of that later on. But we had to break the hype so that we actually could get back to the real hope. My hope isn't in a worship song or a worship team or a worship album. It's not in a brand of church, a style of religion. Whether we sing hymns or Hillsong, it doesn't matter. Because that's not where my hope is. My hope's not in the government. Right wing, left wing, middle, liberal. It doesn't matter. My hope is in Jesus. My hope's in Jesus. And if this is the church that you want to be at, welcome to the place that has hope in Jesus. Because like Job says... I don't need to deny that there's strife in my world. I got it. But I know my Redeemer lives. I know my Redeemer lives. And he didn't stop living in 2020. And he didn't stop living in 2021. And he didn't stop living in 2022 because I got to wear a master church. He is the King of kings and Lord of lords. He's the master of heaven and earth. And he will set his feet back on this planet again. That's my hope.
Whether I'm on that side coming back with them or on this side jumping to meet them. Come on, somebody. My king lives. How will our life change if we would just understand that we could discover him in holiness? Hey, why don't you be seated for one last thing? I'm going to invite Pastor Ron up. We're just going to continue to worship really quickly in our giving, and then we're going to go. But can you give Pastor Ron a hand really quickly? He's come. I love this man. Thank you. What a great man of God. Thank you, brother. And I actually want to take a moment just to say thank you to Pastor Kyle and Pastor Danielle. They are leading us down a real path of true discipleship. And it's just such an honor to be receiving that word today, calling us to holiness. Let's give Pastor Kyle a hand as well, Pastor Danielle. Their words have been really changing my life, and, and I hope yours as well. We have, you know, forged and... Uh, our ladies group shoulder to shoulder as well. So why don't you join and be part of that so you can experience more of this of these moments where we're being called to holiness. You know, and I love this part of the service because it is the heartbeat of God. You know, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever shall believe shall not perish, but what? Inherit eternal life. Amen? And the key phrase to that is God so loved that he gave. That love is what he's pointing us to today. A heart of love gives. And it's in that moment that we can learn that what he did was he took something from heaven and brought it to the mundane. He brought it to earth so that we can be joined together with him in heaven. So when we take what is mundane, what, what's part of our world, our finances are something that is a fruit of our labor, our time, our talent, and this treasure that we have, and give that back to God, he starts to join heaven with earth. He starts to create an opportunity for us to see heaven on earth. And we're seeing that week after week as, as this church has outreach into the community, how we're changing lives through the giving of food and the giving of the gospel and all the opportunities that we have. And as I reflected on today, I looked at 2 Corinthians chapter 9 because this is the encouragement that he's giving us through his love. He has dispersed abroad and he has given to the poor and his righteousness endures forever now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food supply and multiply the seed that you have sown and increase the fruit of your righteousness while you are enriched in everything for all liberality which causes thanksgiving through us to God for this administration of the service not only supplies the needs of the saints, but is also abounding through many in thanksgivings to God. So church, as we give, it's causing thanksgiving to arise. We give out of thanks, a heart of thanksgiving as well. But this is a cycle of life that God has for us. When we give, he supplies more to give more 
so that more could be blessed, more lives could be changed, more lives can be touched. And that's the word for today. You know, there's opportunity to give today. Those ways to give are on the screens above. We have the kiosks as you go out the door. You could give there and you can also give online. The church, let's pray for the gift that God has given us today. Amen. Father, we thank you that you taught us what true giving is all about. That you gave us a gift from heaven through your son so that we could be with you for all eternity. And today we truly thank you for who you are. We truly thank you for the holiness that you're calling us to live our lives in. Lord, through that righteousness, you're allowing us to sow seed that can be sown into the lives of the people around us and into your bride today. So we just ask that you bless the gift and the giver today. And it's in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. So good, buddy. So good. Hey, just as uh, what Pastor Ron said is so important, he said about changing community. And I just wanted to, to read off a few things. Through our TKC, our food truck ministry, uh, that we've still been running through the pandemic. We've had to make adjustments, but still doing it in such a way. In 2021, in the midst of the pandemic, in the midst of everything that had to happen, we saw 6,305 family boxed meals being served, 24,212 total number of people getting food, 313 salvations. Just, that's, that's what you guys are doing when you give away. Your giving matters. Your serving matters. Your loving matters. Come on, why don't you stand and let me pray over you as we go. 24,000 people being sick. 24,000. 313 people will stand on the other side of glory with you because you gave. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to give. We thank you, Lord God, that you are the King of kings and Lord of lords. Now may your face shine brightly on each and every person here. May your love woo us to a deeper relationship with you. May your spirit fill us to overflowing with your presence, with your power, with your purpose for our life. May we love you from the bottom of our hearts with everything we do. May holiness become the standard, the platform for which we live. And may you receive the glory and the honor, the power and the praise every day, with every breath, with everything we do. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. God bless you, church. I love you. We'll see you next week. Ford starts this week, man, so hop on in.